The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi, thanks for joining me today. I'm in Australia for a few days, so I'm, in, so I'm coming to you from beautiful Sydney. I'm looking out over the water with the Opera House in the distance, and you can't get, get much better than that. I hope that wherever you are in the world, that you've had a great day. So welcome to Straight Talk, No Bullshit Business Radio. Last night, I went to a wonderful gathering of friends to celebrate Ovation's 25 years as a leading business bureau, speakers bureau in Australia. It was a fantastic night, and I want to extend my congratulations again to Leanne and her team. So if you need a speaker, make sure that you give Ovations a call. Speaking on last week's program with Tim Draper and Jay Toro, who's my guest this week, we all agree that the lifeblood of the economy are the millions of entrepreneurs who are full of fire and passion. By using new technology, they're changing the way almost every business operates. They're increasing efficiency, productivity, and accountability. I was watching the Republican debate last week when I was in Los Angeles and seeing the gridlock in Washington. It's obvious that neither politicians nor traditional business are going to turn this economy around. SMEs and entrepreneurs employ the most people. They create the most new jobs, and they actually give the economy its vitality. So all of us who are entrepreneurs who are running a business, whether you have one employee or 200, we're the only people who can get this economy back on track. And I'm tired of listening to people say, if this hadn't happened, my life would be different or business would have been more successful or it's really, somebody said to me yesterday, it's really close to Christmas and New Year, so I'll wait until the New Year before I really start pushing things. These cop-out excuses stop people from getting off their asses and doing something to change the economy and their lives. So come on, small business across America and across the world. Let's give it our all. Let's crank up our businesses and tell politicians who don't have any solutions that we're as mad as hell and we're not going to cop this crap anymore. It's up to us. Let's go do it. I just want to emphasize again that this show is about you. It's not about me and I want your input. We're getting a lot of emails from all over the world and people are signing up for my monthly newsletter and that's great. So keep telling me what you think, whether you agree with me or whether you don't. If you think what I say is bullshit, say so. 
And if you think I'm a genius, definitely say so. <laughs> One of the constant email themes that I've been receiving the last few weeks is from businesses that require capital but can't get funds from traditional sources. So, so today we're going to talk about how you get funding for your business. If you go into one of the hundreds of angel investment sites, there's a lot of money out there looking for a home. And the angel networks tell me that less than 5% of people that list get funded. That there's not a shortage of investors, but there's a shortage of good projects to invest in. Now, that's not my experience. I see lots and lots and lots of great projects out there. Businesses, though, just don't know how to present their proposals for funding. I have to tell you that 90% of the proposals that I receive are awful. They don't even get considered. So there's two points I'd like to make. The first one is, in the same way that your product needs to be differentiated from your competition, your proposal to a potential investor needs to really stand out from the other 20 or 50 or 100 proposals that the investor's considering. This is no easy feat. So how do we do it? A, pro a proposal that starts off with, don't miss this, this is the next billion dollar idea, and I get quite a few of those, they get straight into the bin. Just put yourself in the investor's shoes. A 60-page boring business plan that's all about you is not going to create much interest and probably not even going to be read by an investor. They have different interests. So the most important elements that potential investors need to consider or do consider are the executive summary. This is a simple overview of what your product or service is, why there's a need for it, how you intend to market and penetrate the market, and what the potential is. Then your management capability is also really critical. Investors want to know that the management has the skills to make the information that's in the executive summary happen. Now, after those two things, if you're still in consideration at this point, the investor then wants to know how they get out of this. They need a clear exit strategy and when this is going to happen. They usually don't want to tie their money up for more than a couple, maybe up to five years. My second point is that the most important ingredient of all applications for funding is passion and commitment. Now, it's usually pretty difficult to meet with a potential investor. They don't want to know about it until it's a long way down the line. So whatever you send them really needs to just ooze passion and commitment. So let's cover some practical elements. All of these are included in much more detail in my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, which is published by Wiley, and you can get it at your local bookstore. If not, go to Amazon.com. But there's a lot more detail in the book. So grab a pen and paper and make a note of these 14 critical elements when you're setting up your business or you've got your business running and you want funding. 
So the basic rules are, one, be absolutely passionate about your business, but stay completely objective. Don't fall in love with your business so that you overlook things. Secondly, make sure your business model is the right one for your organization. If your company is distributing product, one model is to establish your own offices, not warehouses, distributors, etc. Other options are to develop strategic relationships with large companies who already have a sales force and distribution, or perhaps your product or service is better suited to a licensing model. Then your executive summary must tell your company's current and future story. Just a short document that summarises the proposal so somebody can read it very rapidly and understand what your business is about. Write it very simply and logically and don't use technical jargon. Then build a detailed business plan that details the way that you're going to move this business forward. Marketing strategy, the competitive analysis, the real costs involved and the personality who will deliver the promise and also importantly, the exit strategy. Detail how you're going to protect your intellectual property and safeguard it from legal action from a competitor wanting just to take you out of the game. Make sure that the marketing strategy and the marketing plans that you create are realistic. Every region around the world, even within countries, varies enormously. Make sure you understand a market before you determine how you're going to penetrate it. Don't forget that success is about profits. Your plan must need lead to profits as soon as possible. Once you've completed your business plan, then you need to modify it to become an investment document. So one of the keys to driving your business is to have solid management. Proven performers are vital to your company's success. And remember that good people come at a price. You'll have to commit both money and shares or options in the business, both of which should be tied to KPIs. And remember that only one or two new businesses out of every hundred actually get funding. Only one pattern in every 3,600 are financially successful, and less than 5% of new companies ever become profitable. So you must be totally realistic. You should begin by approaching friends or family to raise the initial funds and get your business as far as possible. Once these are exhausted, then you tackle people like accountants or the angel investment funds. And realise that obtaining investment is only one way to build your business. Another option is to form strategic relationships with somebody who already has market muscle and reach and reputation, financial grunt and all the things needed to get your product into the market. And you need to give part of your business to the investors to obtain the money. And that's usually a pretty commercial relationship. If your business is worth two million and you need one million, then you will likely give away at least 50%. Always go for the big picture. Establish the end goal for the business and secure the funds that you need to get there. Don't do it piecemeal. You'll end up giving away far too much equity. Don't try to grow organically. In most cases, somebody 
will beat you to the market or somebody bigger will reverse engineer your product and take you on whether you've got a patent or whether you haven't got a patent. Either way, you will end up losing. So it's also a good idea because passion and commitment so important. It's a great idea to produce a short DVD or a PowerPoint that get across the passion, the excitement, and the people involved. Don't be afraid to use music and any other graphic tools that add to the pitch. Now, if you didn't get all that down, go to Voice America Business, Bob Pritchard Archives, and download today's show, and you will be able to get that information. After the break, I'll be back with my friend Jay Turo, who is the CEO of GrowThink, one of America's leading investors in entrepreneurial companies. Don't forget to let me know what you'd like me to discuss on the program. Go to bobpritchard.com, tweet me, email me, contact me on LinkedIn, send a bloody carrier pigeon if you want. I don't care. Just get in touch with me and let's get this planet moving again. It's up to we small businesses. We can do anything that we want to achieve. We're nimble. We can grow quickly. We can employ people quickly. And the more people we employ, the more we're going to be able to get this big engine kick-started. And funding is a very important part of that. So don't forget, if you didn't get it down, go to the archives and it'll be there. I will be back with Jay Turo straight after this break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Tune in to Tom Says for practical solutions that you can use in your life. Whether it's information you can use for business, spiritual awareness, health, or personal issues, you'll want to listen to this life-changing program hosted by Tom Gerbic. Tom will also invite you to participate by calling in or sending emails. There's no topic that's taboo. With Tom's life experiences, you'll find that a weekly visit can be truly inspiring. Tom Says can be heard on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern with a weekly rebroadcast on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. I've received a lot of emails from businesses wanting to know how they go about raising capital. So I thought I'd go straight to the horse's mouth. My guest is Jay Toro, who is the co-founder and CEO of Growthink, one of America's largest strategic advisory and investment firms focused on the entrepreneurial marketplace. Jay has an MBA from UCLA and earned a bachelor's degree with distinction with departmental honours from Stanford. Jay believes, as I do, that entrepreneurship is the greatest force for positive change in the world today. Jay and Growthink have assisted dozens of emerging companies in a wide range of endeavours to become mega successful. Jay's an active angel investor, and you can get more of Jay's advice in his Growthink blog, which comes out every Monday. It is great reading. Jay, welcome to the program. Bob, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Speaking to Angel Investment Networks, I'm told that only about 5% or so of businesses seeking funds actually obtain them. And yet, when I talk to angel investors, they tell me that there's plenty of money around. There's just a shortage of great ideas well presented. So, in my experience, um, most submissions are totally inadequate. So, Mm -hmm. what are the essential elements? If I was sending a submission to you, what are the essential elements that I have to put in my submission? Well, I think for uh, for companies that are seeking an angel round of investment, most of them are not uh, cash flow positive businesses. So they're businesses that are based on uh, the promise of the financial projections, the promise of the technology, and on the ability of, of management to you know basically create a business from one that is mostly a blueprint, mostly on the drawing board right now. So above all else, for businesses. For most businesses at the stage that they're seeking angel money, uh, it's all about the biography of the person. So what, is it, what, is, what have they done in their life to, uh, to show that they're credible as a business person, as a technologist, uh, as a manager, and, uh, what is, uh, and how is that demonstrated in terms of, of the specific plan, the, uh, the, the people that they've surrounded themselves with, and, and the extent of their ambition. So, Bob, it starts and ends... Uh, for all deals, but especially for early stage deals with uh, the man in the middle, the man or the woman in the middle, the, the leader of the company and, and, and what they've done and, and where they're going. Okay. Um, with um, technology changing so quickly, how, do you, how much detail do you want about the actual project or product itself in that early stage for submission? Uh, your, your first challenge, your first objective is to find that sweet spot between excitement and credibility. So, and if given the choice, you, 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 you want to be erring on the side of excitement. So credible excitement is, in whatever form that takes, uh, if that is some kind of multimedia, uh, which is a very uh, powerful tool, yep. uh, we, we're, very, we're very, entertain, very entertainment, very visual, uh, very music uh, driven culture. Yes. So some of the, the best ways to, to catch attention is a, is a, is a sharp two or three minute reel right. that, uh, is, is almost a coming attraction like you'd see in a movie. Yeah, sure, uh, that's, that's a great cool. way. That's a great way. Uh, a visual, uh, a, a just a, 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 images, 
you look at probably the greatest business presenter of all time, Steve Jobs, was famous for having no words on his slides. Yeah, incredible. I I think that that's the first thing is to is to make an emotional appeal in line with how folks are digesting most of their other media these days, which is with some uh, is 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 via. uh, you know, television, the movies, the internet, and it's very visual. It's very, it's, uh, it's the, the, the sounds. It's, it's, a, it's a visual medium. Steve Jobs and he's no more than three words on a slide. That is skillful in itself. I give a lot of speeches, and it's damn hard to get a message oh, across hard. with three words. I tell <laughs> it's you, hard. it's it hard. It's fantastic. Um, if a project's submitted to you and you're interested, what's the next step? Is, is it a meeting? Is that the next phase? Well, and that that question, Bob, it ties into the the, the scarcest resource of all is time. And certainly, you made the point at the start of the call that someone like yourself gets a lot of uh, a lot of investment propositions. And as you move through the hierarchy of the angel investment world, but certainly those that put themselves out there as angel investors, uh, put themselves out there as venture capitalists, uh, they are. Um, inundated with incoming inquiries, and if they are at all active angels, active venture capitalists, they have a very significant time responsibility, which is providing advice and guidance, oftentimes board oversight, to their existing investments. So these are very, very busy people, and you know, really that as much as you as the entrepreneur can make it easy for the investor to interface with you. So there's going to be a natural resistance to that in-person meeting. So uh, to get to a phone call uh, is, uh, is, a, is a very good next step to recognize that most of these folks are, um, you know, it, it's almost easier to arrange that phone call via an email exchange, a creative email exchange, than it is via calling them. Uh, I, I challenge anybody to, to call the top 100 venture capitalists uh, in this country, the top 100 angel investors, and see if they pick up the phone and get a lot of voicemail. So yeah. uh, using creative email to schedule and make, it, make, you, make that other person know that you're a person that's not going to waste their time. It's going to be brief and is going is to add value to them. And, and the biggest fear that all investors have is they're going to get trapped in a meeting, trapped in a phone call with someone that just goes on and on about their business. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, most entrepreneurs, for some strange reason that I haven't worked out, see themselves as CEOs. And uh, you know, my belief is that being a CEO is a tough gig and uh, takes a certain set of skills. Before you will invest in a business, do you insist on strengthening or changing the management if required? Is that one of your prerequisites? Well, Bob, it's, it's a great question. And what often happens is that the reason, the number one reason why when you talk about the 95% of deals that don't get funded, yeah. is that there's a signaling very early on uh, for some of the reasons we just talked about that the investor doesn't feel the person is, that is presenting the idea is ready for prime time. Now, they're not going to say that, uh, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of thing that the very act of them not responding, more times than not, it's a sign that they're looking at the person for whatever reason, whether it's their resume, the way they present, the idea that they're representing, the people they've surrounded them with, they don't feel that person is ready for prime time. So yeah. now the challenge is it's not like the investor, it, it, they don't consider it their job at this stage to bring in an, a CEO. They consider that the job of the entrepreneur or the founder. Now, when you start talking about venture rounds of eight figures, 
uh, you know, $10 million rounds. Yes. Now, you know, benchmark capital climate, they're going to bring in a CEO. But at the level that most entrepreneurs are out seeking money, it's not a reasonable expectation to expect the investor to bring in the CEO. You have to do that. And if you're not it, you got to put the person in that is it, and you got to empower them and give them equity and, and, and really let them be the leader. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I had a company come to me um, a little while ago, and we were seeking uh, funds, and um, they were in the theme park entertainment business. And I got a, they had a pretty ordinary board, and people weren't interested. And I put a guy from Disney on the board, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden everybody was interested. So yeah. um, I think um, a lesson for those young entrepreneurs out there who are looking for capital is to make sure that you really strengthen your management before you go near a, a, an angel investor. Bob, that's a fantastic point, and I think an, a tremendously underutilized asset is an advisory board yeah. uh, that the signaling that can bring. And the gentleman that you brought in from Disney, one thing that I've found is that there are folks with these branded names on their resumes yep. that many of them are very underutilized. They're not being approached all that often That's with in a, with, with a, an exciting idea. You know, startup theme park entertainment idea is very exciting for someone in corporate America. They may not be able to participate full time. They're not going to, but they can certainly lend their name. They, they be, they're thrilled to have the opportunity to participate in brainstorm sessions. Very underutilized asset. And I've, I've been always surprised at how, uh, how easy it is to get, you know, very, um, Resume thick folks from corporate America to lend their names to advisory boards, and and, and not just their names. They'll participate and they'll add value. They'll make introductions, and they'll, yeah. tend, they'll often do so for no compensation or, or or very little equity compensation. That's true. I found that too. They're they're very open to having a discussion and perhaps a small equity in the company, and uh, if they like the idea. How um what level of equity in the company do you usually seek? Do you have sort of a, a minimum level of, of equity that you're after? Um, it's, I, I think one of the, the other overhangs in the space is that, and if I can answer this question, that it's always the best of times and the worst of times. So the worst of times in angel in the private equity world is that it's been a tough 10-year return period. This, the stock market, the M&A market, there hasn't been a lot of of, of just really high-profile exits where angels have made a lot of money. So if you look at back, the angels that were active in the 90s, they had multiple situations where they, had, they made a lot of money. So there was just, it was a different mindset then than it is now. So the overhang with equity is that there's not a lot of angels that have had great experiences as equity investors. Now, there are outliers for sure, you know, the early investors and the big names. But for the most part, it's been reasonably few and far between. Now, that's always going to be the case. It's always going to be a black swan dynamic to the angel investment space. But this has been a particularly difficult, not just a few years, but 10 years in the angel and the venture marketplace. So what a lot of folks are looking at right now are more creative structures than straight equity. So one of the structures that is very popular right now is revenue certificates where basically, as opposed to waiting that five, seven, ten years for an M&A event, for an IPO, that to basically let the angel share in some percentage of revenue right off the top is a very exciting vehicle, and it's one that I'm seeing more and more uh, companies that are looking for financing are offering, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real good win for the angel, uh, and, and they can kind of get their arms around it more than equity. 
Jay, we've got about 30 seconds left. <laughs> so um, how long are you prepared to have your funds tied up? Just a quick answer. I think most angels, are, they're looking three to five years. Okay. They want a three to five year plan. Well, thanks very much, Jay. It's great talking to you. If you'd like to get more, as I mentioned earlier, Jay's got a great blog. comes out every Monday. So if you go to www.growthink, G-R-O-W-T-H-I-N-K.com, and uh, you can get more of Jay's wisdom. Thanks very much, Jay. Talk to you soon. Bob, thank you. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. My next guest is a very close friend of mine, an Emmy Award-winning executive producer and a writer, and a great drinking buddy. In this segment, we talk about the business side of show business. Rick began his career in variety television and then transitioned to the half-hour comedy genre, where his credits include The Red Fox Show, Room for Two, Hooperman, and many more. He also has a strong foothold in television drama, with a long list of credits, which include The Munros and The Closer, and he's worked with a host of megastars. How are you, mate? Welcome to the program. 
I'm well, Bob. Thank you. It's great to be on with you, and uh, congratulations on this show. Thank you. Uh, we've often spoken over a few drinks about how television's changed over the past 10 years and how that's mm-hmm. affected everybody in the industry, really. Now, is that driven by a change in audience demands, or is it simply economics driving that? Uh, I think it's, it's, it's mainly uh, driven by, uh, by the fact that the audience is, has scattered. The audience is not the reliable audience that was around 10 years ago that you could habituate to three or four major networks. So, uh, you know, you've got the food channel, you've got all kinds of niche channels, you've got the, the emergence, the very, very strong emergence of cable. So the choices uh, are huge now. And the audience is, is spread out. I mean, there are people who, are, who just watch the food channel and have abandoned uh, uh, scripted television completely, and no one expected that to happen. And uh, go ahead. What about um, the fact that uh, that audience then causes smaller budgets? Does it, and therefore is that the reason why I have this plethora of yes. reality shows? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've you know smaller budgets have always been the bane of of producers like myself because uh, what happens is that even even studios. Uh, who have tons of money, uh, being true capitalists, would like you to produce a very good show for less money every year. Yeah. So they, they're yes. constantly trying to get you to produce it lower. So it is, a, it, is, it, it, it is industry-wide that they're always trying to do it lower, but this scattering, this dispersing of, of uh, the audience uh, by creating more venues has forced them into doing things, very, uh, these smaller networks, into doing things very cheaply. There are people who are getting paid to executive produce shows on the cooking channel that were that basically were, are making in salary what my craft services budget was right. on a network show. Right. Mate, I get a lot of scripts and requests for funding for movies. Why they send them to me, I have no idea. Um, or they want an introduction to the right people. So... When people have a script that they believe is great... I thought that's great. why you were calling me. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to introduce me to the right people. <laughs> What's the next step? What comes first, the talent or the money or something else? Or is it necessary to get funding first? Or do you need a network or a studio to agree to produce it first? I know that's a convoluted well, question. I, but... Well, it's not actually. I mean, the, 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 what comes first is a great script. Right. This town will always... Uh, heat up over a great script and then it's about getting that script out there. They have the mechanism to bring money to the party uh, if, if you bring money to the party that was, that's a plus that uh, makes you uh, stronger in the negotiations when it finally comes down to that but uh, if you have a great script you've got to work that script it's better actually to uh, uh, in terms of talent it's better to attach a director because stars who you think are in favor could not be in favor. The stars who are in favor on Monday by Friday aren't right. after their grosses on the latest movie come in. So it's better to get a director that they really like, uh, and you know, and go to a you know, go to a company like Reveille who funds uh, uh, motion pictures. That's the business that they're in. They're very smart about it, you know, because there are a lot of people who want to invest in movies. There's lots of hedge fund guys and stuff, but they don't really know what they're doing. They just have the money. Right. It's better to go to somebody who's a pro, who who has the money and knows, also is it has good taste and knows a good product. Right. 
Right, I guess every writer thinks that they've got the world's best movie, right? They do. Yeah. And then the only one that I know of is me. <laughs> so you've obviously got an advantage, though. You've got an Emmy. You've got a great writing team around you. You know all the studios and the networks. You've had hit shows and you've raised lots of money. So you've got an advantage. But you're, if you're somebody who's out there that's, that has written a script and it's a, let's say it's a great script and you're in the middle of nowhere, where do you start? I mean, what do you do? You can actually start, it, 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 it's just that kind of dogged pestering, come to this town, come to one of the centers of production, you know, the, in Australia, in England, in France, I mean, people, wherever you are and you think you've got a good script, find someone that you can pitch this script to, that you can hand them, you don't even have to hand it to them, uh, pitch it, you can hand it to them and say, look, read this, and if they like it, they'll take you to those uh, opportunities. But it's you got you can't go in it alone. You can't do it by yourself. And what happens on the next one, if that movie gets made and it's a hit, then you can call all those people yourself right. because they they figure that you've got the magic touch for as long as you may or may not have it. But uh, it's it's really uh, important, and you you may have to uh, say take it in the shorts in the first time, you know. But get that script to someone. It's, in, it's more important than to, to get it made than to make a great deal. So, for your first. So, do you, would you go and see an agent, or is there an agent that will shop your, your script for you, or, or what's the process? Yes, you go. I, I, the first thing to do is find an agent. It's tough to get them to read it, which means that you have to be just tenacious. Right. You know, sleep on his lawn if you have to. Uh, and I tell this to people when I uh, speak at colleges. You know, uh, it's it's really important to be uh, crazy at first. Yeah. You know, because it's going to take that to get somebody's attention, and 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 uh, nine times out of ten, they're not going to read your script. But all it takes is one guy to read your script, or one hot female agent to read your script, and it's all over town if it's a good script. It's all over town the, the minute she closes that script. So uh, it's that oh, tight. A, it's that tight an industry. It is. I mean, this, good scripts are rare. You know, there's tons of bad movies that are made with big stars and lots of action and lots of stuff, and they make a lot of money. But when someone sees a good script, they're going to take it and run with it. And someone who knows how to do that, someone from CAA, someone you know, from one of the big agencies. Even a, even a tough guy, a real a real smart guy at a small agency can do that. Because as soon as someone says that there's a hot new script in town, it, it's all over the place. Everybody's got a copy. Okay, so what sort of a deal? Somebody got a great script and they get introduced to... Who, who would, they get, who would a, a, um, an agent introduce them to? The studio directly? Agent would take them right to a studio or take them put them together with one of their directors, right. and then they would go to a studio. Okay. And the writer, uh, if it's the first time for the writer and is an unknown writer, uh, the writer can expect to be uh, continue in a state of poverty <laughs> <laughs> until that movie is made and it's a, and it's a hit. And once once the studio gets it, are the studio likely to um, get one of their hotshot writers such as yourself and send it across to you and say, you know, rewrite this because we want to have our flavour on it? Or is yes. it likely to survive the way it came to them? 
some do survive, you know, some do survive, but I, I know very few that, that, that uh, get through that process without four or five rewrites. Right, okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. Uh, I rewrote a movie once that then went on to uh, uh, another writer to rewrite it a right. year later. And then it was sort of floating around, and I'd totally forgotten about it, and it came back to me. <laughs> Someone had forgotten that I was one of the original guys on the rewrite, yeah. and it came back to me under a different title. I said, I wrote this movie five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so. what, um, um, what, are the, what are the essential ingredients in, if you, if you sit down to write up, let's say a television program first, because... You've written some great television programs. What What's the key to that? What's the most important thing in in writing a, a program? In, in television, yeah. Uh, you know, everyone will say you got to have a hot concept. You have to have to have the zeitgeist, and you have to have that. What you really have to have in television is great a great character or great characters. Right. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter where they work or what they do, as long as they're compelling. Because that's what television is about they fall in love with the characters they fall in love with the cast of friends you know yeah okay well the um so if if, let's say you as an established um writer and executive producer would you take something that you wrote directly to the studios or would you try and raise the capital yourselves If, if you've got the capital Surely you would do a better deal with a studio or whatever than if you don't. Is that right or not? It, it, it's it's uh, it's it should be right, but uh, what what happens is they really don't care the entities. I mean, the studios are the networks; right. they own the networks. Right. So there, you know, that that whole system is something that changed television and film also. But the they they uh, they really respond to the material. If they don't like the material. You can have it fully funded, and you can have Robert De Niro in it, yep. and they won't put it up. Okay. So, when you're negotiating something like that, do the stu- the studios have all the aces, don't they? I mean, they've got every yep. ace, and you've got none, really. So, what sort of right. a deal can you expect to do as the writer of something like that, of a well, program? If your script if your script is hot, and there's a bidding war, several studios want it, you're probably going to get a million dollars. Right. Uh, you will get uh, 600000 against uh, uh, principal photography when you'll get the rest of your money. But most scripts, that doesn't happen. So uh, what you've got is, is you'll, make a, you'll make, I mean, you're not going to get scale because it's a big studio and they want it. Uh, yeah. You know, you'll make a couple hundred thousand dollars right. and uh, a piece of the, uh, uh, of the back end, which is net, and as you know, once... When you face the big entities, there's no such thing as net. Yep. <laughs> I understand. Mate, we've only got a few seconds left. So what does the future yeah. hold for Rick Kellett? It holds, uh, it holds exactly what you were talking about, a little bit more uh, experimenting with, uh, with indie television and to see how that, can be, how that can be developed and made into something that uh, you could then make it uh, user-friendly for studios and uh, networks. Uh, and... Uh, the internet. Yeah, internet is a big matter. Smaller entertainment. Uh, very difficult to capitalize, uh, monetize, uh, excuse me, monetize. But uh, if, you, if you, it is going to expand, it is going to be something someday, and if, if you're not there now. You're not going to uh, be there. 
you're not going to be there when it comes. Okay, mate, I look forward to catching up with you soon. I'm, I'm actually in Sydney at the minute, and um, I um, will be back in LA next week. Well, we've got to go to Hong Kong Excellent. first, but then I'm back in LA, and um, I'll catch you for a drink. You got a famous stool at uh, Fleming's for you. Okay, good man. See you soon. All Bye, right. buddy. Take Thanks. Care, Thank Bye. you. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Straight Talk, No Bullshit Business Radio. In this segment, I talk about some marketing screw-ups and how they happened, and I'll also answer some of your emails. Like many of you, I've had a fair share of ideas that haven't worked, but as entrepreneurs, we need to keep pushing the envelope. You never succeed by doing the same thing as you've done before or copying somebody else. Some of the real classic goofs, of course, occur when translating strap lines that sound great in the language of origin but have a totally different meaning in their new language. This is where you need to do thorough research. When Parker Penn marketed a ballpoint pen in Mexico, its ad said, it won't leak in your pocket and embarrass you. But in Spanish, it meant, it won't leak in your pocket and make you pregnant. I think those meanings are quite different. Speaking of pregnant, the slogan for Trojan Ecstasy Condoms says, feels like there's nothing there. Feels like there's nothing there. Well, the girls are excited about that. I reckon the way we advertise condoms is um, by word of mouth. Anyway, okay. Each week, we're going to look at a marketing program that really screwed up and examine why. Because there are great lessons in all these screw-ups for all businesses. And one of the reasons that brands get into trouble is when they get what's called brand amnesia. They forget who they are and what they stand for in the customer's mind. And when a brand drifts off course, more often than not, it fails. Now, an old example, but a great example, um, the reason I'm going to do it, is New Coke, a fantastic example of brand amnesia. Coca-Cola confused the product 
with the brand. Remember, I've said repeatedly that the product isn't important. It's the equity in the brand that counts. This is a perfect example. Over a billion Cokes are sold daily. The company has almost 100% name recognition. So let's set the scene for Coke's formula change and the introduction of new Coke. Coke was outselling Pepsi 5 to 1, but Pepsi was targeting the youth market. In taste tests, the majority of people preferred the taste of Pepsi. And then Pepsi began celebrity endorsements to appeal to the young. Pepsi was rapidly closing the sales gap. So Coke fought back by producing a sweeter Coke that tasted more like Pepsi. Now, the taste test for these, this new Coke was fantastic. The taste tests proved that people preferred the new Coke to Pepsi. This was a total turnaround. So rather than compete with itself, Coke scrapped the original Coca-Cola. So Coke took nearly 100 years of history and the taste that the Coke devotees love and trashed it. Public outrage followed. People boycotted Coke because Coke had only considered taste in its testing, forgetting that there's a hell of a lot more to Coca-Cola's brand equity than just taste. After all, original Coke was the real thing. Then Coke reintroduced the original Coke and new Coke faded faded away. So what are the lessons to be learned from this? One, success is not about the product. It's about your brand equity. Secondly, you need to differentiate from your competitors, not copy them. Three, Coca-Cola not only has market share, it has heart share, and you must foster that relationship with your customer. It is your strongest tool. Fourthly, and the one thing they did do really well, is if you screw up, admit it, and don't be afraid to go back. But most importantly, do your market research thoroughly. So now it's time to answer some of our listeners' emails. I'll send you a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, to the sender of every email that I answer. The first email tonight is from Tony Healy of Foggy Bottom in Washington, D.C. And Tony writes, Do you recommend cause-related marketing as an effective way to get name recognition and sales, for example, for a concert. Now, I've got a suspicion that since this email came from Foggy Bottom, it comes from a student at George Washington University. And the reason I happen to know that is because my son, Hunter, uh, is doing a business course there. So I remember um, Foggy Bottom well. Hi, Tony. That's a good question. Cause-related marketing is one of the fastest-growing business strategies in North America and throughout the world. Studies show that around 75% of consumers are more likely to buy from a company that's a good community citizen and shares their values. And I think the dates of companies not giving strongly back to the community are over. For example, the Occupy movement is growing and growing, and they're fed up with corporations' attitudes. And I think that they're just the tip of the iceberg. Dawn Dishwashing Liquids Unpack Wildlife tie-in during the recent Gulf oil spill, received a fantastic response for the company. So, Tony, find yourself a cause that really resonates with your target mark and go for it. My second email comes from Alan Rivera 
from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I love Charlotte. I've had some great time there at the NASCAR races. Alan writes, Bob, thanks for the show. It's great to get information I can use in my business rather than information about the stock market and the Fortune 500s. I'm putting together a new marketing campaign for my business, and my question is, last week you spoke about how 95% of advertising doesn't work and how important it is to have a consumer, a consumer purchase benefit. <coughs> Excuse me. Is that the same as strap line? If so, how do I go about creating one? Alan, that's a good question. Actually, it's a couple of questions. Firstly, the reason most advertising doesn't work is because the ad doesn't promote a specific benefit for the customer. They don't give a compelling emotional reason why people should go and buy that product. And if you don't have an emotional reason, people won't buy. Secondly, a, a customer purchasing benefit is a bit like an old-fashioned strapline, but it's a lot more sophisticated because it really is all about the customer, where straplines usually be more about the seller. And CPC is the primary emotional reason why somebody should buy your product or service rather than buy from your competitor. A great example that I think everybody will relate to is Domino's Pizza, 30 minutes or it's free. Now, this CPB has nothing whatsoever to do with the product and everything to do with why people should buy Domino's. And Domino's has blitzed everyone. It was a fantastic success. I've seen surveys that show that CPBs can improve the front of mind recall by over 250%. And if people think of you first, you'll most likely get business. Alan, thanks for your email. A copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets is coming your way. Now, it's really clear why every business should have a CPB. It's such an important element of a company's marketing armory that I'll make it my feature topic on next week's show. So it really can be the most powerful part of your marketing strategy. So it will be my main topic next week in the first segment of the show. So in the last hour that we've spent together, we've covered what's important when you want to raise capital, how to get your movie or television concept on the air, the importance of differentiation from your competitors, and the importance of a consumer purchasing benefit. Don't forget, I want to hear from you. So visit my website at bobpritchard.com, sign up for my newsletter, email me, Tweet me, become my friend on LinkedIn, and tell me what it is that you want to talk about. And don't forget to grab a copy of my book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition at Your Favourite Bookstore. That's it from me, Bob Pritchard. I thank you for listening to my show from beautiful Sydney, and I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be back the same time next week, broadcasting from the fabulous city of Hong Kong. Bye. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.